Yes, welcome everyone. It's good to see more people joining here. We have people joining from a variety of states and it's really good to have you all here. Um, we'll begin um, with Stephen in just a little bit. It's really good to be here, um, Matthew, and thank you and Lucas for all your hard work and your behind the scenes things that you've done. Uh, I really appreciate uh, what you've done for all of the, all of us teachers, and I think it's it's a really good thing mm -hmm. when one event after another gets canceled. After a while, you just uh, I I myself felt like I really needed some motivation, some inspiration for getting back into the classroom, getting into the, the teaching spirit again. So I just, I really appreciate everything that Faith Builders is doing and uh, everything that you guys do that's behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, it really has been, um, it's been disappointing to us here at Faith Builders to need to cancel Teachers Week. Um, and clearly the, the guidance from the state wouldn't allow us to hold that this August, but it was disappointing to cancel it. And yeah. so we're grateful, Stephen, that you're willing to, to join us here for these sessions. And, and our hope is that it can be, uh, this can be an inspiration for teachers. Um, this certainly in in my memory this is a year that will bring challenges that we've never faced um, and i know people talk about the the flu epidemics of the past um, you know, i've heard melvin layman talk about them i think the last one he mentioned happened in 1968 and uh, that predates most of us that are here today and so yeah uh, we we don't really have this kind of experience in our in our history in our own personal lives, so it's challenging. And uh, it is our hope that this will encourage and inspire people. Um, and for those of you who who haven't met Stephen, uh, Stephen and his family uh, spent 16 years in Guatemala and. Stephen was involved in education there uh, as a teacher and as a school administrator. Uh, now they live in Ontario and Stephen teaches grades seven and eight at the Donegal Community School. And so he brings a lot of experience as a teacher, uh, a lot of heart for teaching. Um, and as Stephen talks to us here, I, I think we'll be encouraged. I'm expecting a a blessing and encouragement from his perspective, his insights, and from the Word of God. Uh, this this title, this theme, comes from the Lord speaking to His people, and so I, I hope and believe that the Lord will speak to us today. Uh, Stephen, before I turn it over to you, I'd like to lead in a short prayer. So let's pray. Yeah. Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity to join together as men and women who care about schools and about the students, the children, the young people who will be in our classrooms this year. 
And Father, we pray that that as we uh, come together, as we listen to Stephen speaking, that we will be encouraged, that we'll be equipped for the work ahead of us. Um, Open our hearts to see the work that you are doing and want to do. I pray that you'll bless Stephen as he uh, speaks in this context that's um, so different from what we're used to. And I pray that this will be a blessing to those here today and those who uh, watch this in the future. So we commit it to you uh, for your for your glory and the good of your people in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, Stephen. Matthew, can I just interrupt to say that, uh, did you want to say anything about the chat? Yes, I did. Um, those of you who are here, if you want to, uh, if you have any kind of technical issues here, uh, put a note in the chat. Lucas is monitoring the chat. And so if there's any technical issues that you run into as we go along, he can, if you put those in the chat box then we can address that. Um, and, and there may be opportunity to, to interact there at the end as well. But especially if you see any technical issues along the way, please let us know in the chat box. Thanks, Lucas. Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. And thank you for joining uh, this little talk taken from Zechariah 4, verse 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, Zechariah was called of the Lord to minister at a very difficult time. He had been given a big assignment. For dozens of years or more, the task of rebuilding the temple had stood half completed. Zechariah was commissioned by God to encourage the people, not scold them, but to encourage them to complete their unfinished responsibility. This really struck a chord with me since I teach grade seven and eight. And in my class, I have students that have much the same attitude as the Jews did in the time of Zechariah. They think it's too hard. They ask the question, what's the point? Why do we have to learn this? They have lost the vision and and their focus. For some of them, it's their last year in grade eight. Uh, Hard to believe. I know you too have been called in at a very difficult time. Like Zachariah, you have a big assignment. Maybe you haven't thought about it. Maybe this is just another school year for you. Something you need to plan, uh, organize, and power through. Or maybe the people around you don't seem to understand the importance of what you do. My wife sometimes babysits a little fellow, he's three or four years old. And during the past school year, he was at our place. And he asked Brenda, he he asked a host of questions, but one of the questions he asked was, where's Stephen? And Brenda said, oh, he's at school. He said, oh, doesn't, doesn't he work? Maybe you encounter some of that as well. I'd like to uh, share a few thoughts with you this morning about our work as teachers in Christian schools. What is our assignment? What is our work? What is our mission? Our work is a very important work. It's a high calling. Have you ever thought how important your work is? Your job is to train and educate young lives 
you get to be part of preparing them for the future. In my life, I have poured concrete and worked with cement. And it is important that you prepare before you get to the pouring the cement part. And my screen is just not changing here. Maybe it will here in a little bit. Before you get to the pouring the cement part, you need to have the rebar in place and wired together. The forms need to be placed precisely and stand up to the pressure of the wet cement without moving or breaking apart. Preparation is an essential part of teaching. I'm thankful for the people at Faith Builders, people like uh, Matthew and Lucas, who work hard behind the scenes to make an event like this possible. I'm thankful to God for his grace and his power uh, that he supplies. I'm thankful for good, solid Christian curriculum that saves me hours of work every week. I'm thankful for the moms and the families that clean my classroom at the end of every week and leave it smelling fresh and clean. Preparation is really important. It's an essential part. But preparation isn't everything. In our case, when we mix, our, when we uh, poured concrete, we had to mix our own cement. And that was an important part of the process as well. Getting the proportions right. Getting the cement mixed thoroughly. Not too wet, nor too dry. The cement mixture needs to be dry enough to stay strong when it's finished and wet enough to allow you to smooth it out and finish it well. School isn't all about getting through the books. Never underestimate the importance of recess time. Recess is filled with opportunities for important teaching times, since we teach patience, fairness. You can teach grace, problem solving. Often these things are taught the best when we're off the script, when we're dealing with the things that come up. When you do this, you're shaping the clay and setting the patterns for the future. We are preparing our students for life. We are actively involved in shaping their hearts and values of these small people whose lives will live for eternity. And story time after lunch or after recess time. Story time, I think, is an important part of school. There are so many good books to read and discussions to be had and lessons to be learned for life. There are students in my class who will never read the books I read to them themselves. And if they did read them, they wouldn't get half of the importance and significance. There is one more thing I need to mention when we talk about proportions and school, and that is devotions. I still remember some of the verses and some of the discussions we had when I was in grade five and six and seven and eight. That's where I started to form my own convictions that I still hold today. I'm thankful to my teachers that took the time to get out of the books 
and have a good class discussion about pertinent issues. We discussed a lot of current events and I didn't know then, but I understand now that that's where I get my love of history. It is important to get the proportions right. Cement allows you only a limited time to work it into place and get it smooth. Then you start the finishing process. And the finishing methods change throughout the drying process. And then the cement sets up into concrete and gets hard and it remains the way you tooled it for many, many years to come. Concrete easily lasts a lifetime and cannot be remolded. Once it's hard, once it's dry, there's nothing much you can do to change it. If you want to make changes, you'll either need to grind it off, which will change the look of it, or you'll need to break it up with a sledgehammer and haul it away in chunks and start over with fresh concrete. I'll try to share another slide with you here. So preparation is important. Proportions are, are important. But I wanna to talk too about the work of the Holy Spirit. As teachers, we are working with moldable clay the moldable clay of our, stu our students' hearts, their emotions, and their lives. As we conduct our classes and teach math and history and science, we teach them values. We develop their loves and model Christ for them. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit to do that. It reminds me of a quote that I read recently by Teresa of Avila. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth, but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on the earth, but yours. Imagine Jesus playing on the playground at your school. Imagine him walking through the halls or greeting the children as they come through the door in the morning. What would it be like to have him in your classroom, grading books, answering questions, or maybe even more importantly, asking questions? He is there. You have felt him there, and the children see him in you. It is a tall order. Day after day, there are 10 or 15 or 20 pairs of eyes watching you seeing through you, scrutinizing your attitudes, your motives, measuring your reactions. They are learning from your example, copying you in some way. And yet, 
they all come at it from a slightly different perspective. They all see each different situation through a different lens. Each student is a different person, comes from a different family, has their own unique personality, their own unique spectrum of needs, their own unique strengths, and their own set of weaknesses. I love a story that I heard many years ago from one of our Guatemalan teachers. There was a mother who came to her son's teacher and she was quite distressed and asked for his help. Her son had a bad habit of putting way too much sugar in his coffee. It's not healthy for him and he seems to be getting worse and worse with time, not better, she lamented. I know my son admires you a lot and I thought maybe you could help him talk to him or something. I've tried scolding him, I've tried punishing him, and I simply can't seem to get through to him. When I'm not looking, he sneaks more sugar and puts it into his coffee, and that's, that concerns me even more, his dishonesty and his deception. The mother listened to, the teacher listened to the distraught mother and replied that he would think about it and give her an answer the next day. The next day, the teacher told the troubled mother that he would try to help her son. He would start working with him in three weeks. Three weeks later, true to his word, he kept the lad after school and talked with him. He told him about his mother's concern for him. He explained how unhealthy too much sugar can be and the importance of not only developing good habits, but training ourselves and developing the personal strength to break our bad habits. He and the boy developed a plan. He and the boy developed a plan, uh, and in a few weeks, the boy had broken his bad habit. The mother came once again to visit the teacher, but this time she was elated. Thank you, thank you, she said. My son has broken his bad habit and has become more obedient and respectful too. I am so thankful you were willing to talk with him. But why did you have to wait three weeks to start? Well, the teacher replied, first I had to break my bad habit and stop putting too much sugar in my coffee. I would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I would rather you walk with me than merely point the way. The eye is a more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing, but example is always clear. We have a tremendous responsibility. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. Teaching, I believe, is finding the balance between overwhelmed and overconfident and learning to be okay with camping out there for the rest of your life. We need to be overwhelmed enough to cry out to the Lord for help and guidance and lean hard on the Holy Spirit for direction. We need to be confident enough in our incompetence that students feel secure in following our leadership and respect us as an authority. You may be wondering how you can possibly get it right all the time. Well, let me tell you, you can't. 
you can't get it right all the time. I think every experienced teacher and every parent has memories of a time that they wish they could go back and redo. And that is the wonderful thing. We don't have to do it perfectly to teach well. Some of the best teaching and the best learning this year will happen as we humbly and honestly work through our mistakes with our students. I like the example of the Apostle Paul. I think we can learn a valuable lesson from him. Paul, that great apostle and teacher, needed to learn this lesson too and deal with the weaknesses in his life. He made mistakes too. There was something he asked the Lord three times to have taken away from him. But the Lord simply replied, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Did you ever wonder what that weakness was? Some think it was his poor eyesight. If it was poor eyesight, have you ever considered how that weakness in Paul was used by God to strengthen the early church and the kingdom for the future? Think about it. Because of his weakness and confinement, Paul couldn't do the work by himself. He needed others to help him. He needed to write letters to the churches. He needed to help. He needed help to write and deliver those letters. So, young men lived with him to care for him and do the errands he couldn't do himself. I believe God used these difficult circumstances to prepare those young men to carry out the work when he was gone. Since he couldn't visit the churches and teach and preach, he wrote letters. His letters have been a blessing to the church down through the ages, and they still give direction and encouragement to us today. Whether we agree on the exact nature of Paul's thorn in the flesh is, is really not important. I think there's probably a good reason that we don't know exactly what it is or what it was. The lesson, I think, to be learned here is about accepting our weaknesses and giving it to God, who can then use it for his honor and to build his kingdom. I wonder if Paul's difficulty was described in general enough terms to apply to any difficulty we may face now. Whether the thorn we struggle with today is physical, emotional, or spiritual, we can know that God has a purpose and his grace is all-sufficient. I think of a quote that I found recently, and I think the Apostle Paul could have written it. It says, I thank God for protecting me from what I thought I wanted and blessing me 
with what I need. I thank God for protecting me from what I thought I wanted and blessing me with what I needed. Zachariah was told, it's not by might nor by power, but by God's spirit. He was asked to encourage the lead builder and the priest. He was to assure them that the Lord of hosts would supply the golden oil to fuel the work and keep the light burning. In your work, in your preparations for school, in your daily work throughout the school year, it's not going to be by might, nor by power, but by his spirit. Preparation is very important, so keep preparing. Thank you for joining us today. This is part of, of preparation. And there's a lot of other preparation that you need to do with your textbooks and your scope and sequence. Proportions and schedules are necessary. Use them to your advantage. Make them work for you. And finally, the Holy Spirit is such an important part of teaching. The Holy Spirit wants to do the heavy lifting for you. He wants to be part of every day. He wants to be part of every part of your everyday. He wants to use even your weaknesses to show his strength and purpose. He wants to build his kingdom through you. In Zechariah's vision, he saw a golden candlestick with a bowl. He didn't understand what it was. And I'm not able to explain it all to you either. But I do know that because of Jesus, there is forgiveness. Because of Jesus, we can model grace. Because of Jesus, there is redemption. Even for that messy situation you got yourself into. His spirit fills and guides us. His spirit gives us opportunities to share his life and his love. His spirit gives us the right words to say along with those opportunities. And his spirit is with us every moment of every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we recognize that the task that is before us is entirely too big for us. And yet you have called us to it. And Lord, we want to be faithful in answering that call. May we be your hands. May we be your feet. May we share your words and your life with those we love. May you help us to love even the unlovely. Give us special grace now and help us to extend grace to others. We pray through Christ, your Son. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. This is very inspiring and encouraging. I'll just say if, uh, if any of you have a, a question that you'd like to, to offer here or a question for Stephen to consider responding to, you can type it into the uh, chat box and we'll um, 
will we'll allow Stephen a chance to respond to that. Um, but I'm especially encouraged here, Stephen, with the, the reality that the Holy Spirit is the one, I, I like your words there, he's the, he's the one, he wants to do the heavy lifting for us. And probably each one of us can, can could think of some situations that uh, look heavy, that, that are heavy and difficult. And it can be easy to, for me at least, to be overwhelmed by those and to think, try to strategize how I can, how I can work on this issue um, and to forget that it is not dependent on my ability. Um, the Holy Spirit wants to use me, but he is, he's the one who's capable and I need to depend on his, um, on his power and leading. Um, thank you for the inspiration. I'm inspired again in thinking about the significance of, of the shaping and the, the long-term impact that teachers have uh, on children and young people. Um, so I look forward to, to hearing what you'll bring to us tomorrow, what, what the Lord will bring to us through you. Um, and we'll, we'll rejoin here tomorrow at the same time. Uh, Lucas, is there anything else that needs to be said here at the end of today's session? Recording should be available on the doc. Actually, I think available now is a YouTube video. Um, and maybe just a sneak preview, we are working to line up additional sessions such as these throughout the month of August. Um, details forthcoming on that. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all I have. Thank you. And so thank you all for joining us today. It's, um, we hope this is a blessing to you. Thank you for um, joining us. And we, we are praying for you as you prepare for the next school year. We're praying that God will give you wisdom and insight and strength as you plan and prepare. And, and we pray that this year will be a, a good year, a year that contributes to growth and, and development for children and young people all over the country and all over the world. Thanks Amen. again for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for setting it all up. And uh, I, I guess people are welcome to bring their friends tomorrow as well. Yes. Bring your friends, um, forward this information to anyone you think may be interested, and recordings will be available. Okay. Thank you. Could I just there. maybe on that note, uh, Stephen, do you want to give us a three-second teaser about tomorrow? <laughs> well, you know, maybe that's where the Holy Spirit comes in because I'm still trusting on that one. <laughs> I, I may share a little bit of my journey this past year. It, it felt uphill the whole way. And yet I, I would just want to testify that, that God is so faithful. Mm -hmm. uh, he doesn't give us the grace we need for tomorrow. He gives us the grace we need for today. And uh, you can take that to the bank. You can plan on that. I will look forward to tomorrow. Okay. Thanks again, Stephen. And thank you everyone for joining. Have a great day.
everyone and welcome back for day two of this webinar on not by might nor by power but by my spirit yesterday's session was an encouraging and inspiring um, introduction to the school year thinking about our role as teachers and the role of the holy spirit in the teaching process and uh, we look forward to the second part of this webinar this today's presentation um, yesterday i was especially uh, inspired and maybe even convicted by the the idea of the holy spirit being the one who does the heavy lifting in our in our classrooms and in the situations we find ourselves in and that's that's an encouraging idea to think of having uh, the holy spirit as the one who who can walk with us in every part of every day and can really carry some of the heavy load of what we face and so we're looking forward to hearing more from stephen today hearing more about what what it means to to engage in our work by the power of the holy spirit Before we uh, turn the time over to Stephen, I'd like to, to pray. And so let's, let's pause for prayer. Lord God, we are grateful for your work in our lives. We're grateful for your work in the world. And thank you that what you said to the prophet Zechariah so many years ago is still true. Mm -hmm that your work goes forward not because of our might or our power but because of your spirit mm -hmm. so we pray that that we that we'll be able to live in that reality today and this year and now i pray that you will bless stephen as he speaks and may may his words inspire and encourage us May we hear from you through these next minutes. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Stephen, we're looking forward to uh, what you have to say today. Looking forward to hearing more from your years of experience, both in Guatemala and in Ontario, and look forward to what the Lord has for us today. So we'll turn the time over to you, Stephen. Well, thank you, Matthew. Thank you for that, that great introduction. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. It, it, it's just, it's just uh, uh, really a good time to be together. And I hope that today can be encouraging to you and help us to understand where we fit in as teachers in the classroom, as teachers in a Christian school. And I've taken the lessons out of Zachariah. We uh, talked yesterday about the, the text, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, the Lord of hosts. And today we want to continue that talk. Yesterday we talked about how Zachariah was called of the Lord to minister at a very difficult time. He was given a big assignment, just like us today. 
he didn't know the future. It was happening in real time. I think it's important to remember that as we read the stories of the Bible, they didn't know how it was going to turn out. Zechariah didn't, didn't know either. He didn't know if his message would do any good. He didn't know if the people would listen to him or if his life would make any difference at all. Zechariah wasn't the builder. He wasn't the priest responsible for celebrating the worship in the unfinished temple. Zechariah was the prophet. His job was to encourage the people to get to work, or actually to get back to work. It makes me want to know a little bit more about Zechariah and his methods. You teachers know just how hard it can be to get things done through other people, don't you? Wouldn't it be easier to just do it yourself? When you do it yourself, then you can do it the way you want it done. When you do it yourself, you know that it's going to be done right. Doing it yourself is often easier, but it's not better. Zachariah was a young man. He was part of the first group to return from exile in Babylon. He returned with his grandpa, and they found a destroyed city, a ruined temple. He was young, especially when we compare him to his contemporary, Haggai, the prophet. He came alongside the older prophet to deliver messages from the Lord to the Jewish remnant. His name means Yahweh, or Jehovah remembers. While Haggai's overall message was more of a cautionary tone, pointing out the Jews' sin and self-focus, Zechariah emphasized a tone of encouragement to the struggling Israelites who were trying to rebuild their temple. He ministered at a time when people were unsettled, confused, and doubting the future. This, I think, is the greatest lesson that I learned from my brief study of the book of Zechariah. I'd like to put another slide up here for you. Yesterday, we talked about the three components of a good school year, preparation, proportions, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, I would like to talk about encouragement. It's something all of us teachers need, and our students need it too. I'd like to contrast the message and the, the way that Haggai and Zechariah differed in their messages. I find this so interesting. Haggai, his message was one of exhortation. Zechariah used encouragement. Haggai was specific. Zechariah was more abstract. abstract. Haggai was concise and to the point. And Zechariah's message was more expanded. Haggai Haggai uh, focused on present concern, and Zechariah focused on, whoops, focused on uh, the future. Haggai told the people to take part, and Zechariah encouraged the people to take heart. 
Haggai was an older activist and Zechariah was a younger visionary. Isn't it amazing? They were talking to the same people. They were serving the same Lord. They were addressing the same problem and talking about the same future. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 3, he describes a scene that he saw from heaven. And this scene is particularly encouraging to me. Joshua, the high priest, is standing before the Lord in filthy clothes. Satan is there too, as always, to accuse and to point out the shame and the embarrassing past. The Lord rebukes Satan and says those well-known words. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Meaning, this man, Joshua, has been rescued. He's been pulled out of the fire. The Lord orders that the filthy clothes be taken away and new ones be put on. He says to Joshua, I have freely forgiven your iniquity and will dress you in fine clothing. Don't we all need that? I need that as I head into a new school year. Our, school, our students need it too. In your classroom this year, there are little people that need to be rescued. Little people that need encouragement. It reminds me of a story I'd like to tell, a story that happened years ago. One of the boys in Guatemala. His name is Selbing. Selbing didn't have a father living with him. He lived with his mom, his grandma, and his old grandpa. He was one of the two boys who put our little Christian school on the map. These two boys were cousins. They lived together as brothers, and they were so mischievous and disobedient. They, uh, they had a real name for themselves in the town. Selvin was 12 when he came to our school, and he was ready for grade two. The reason he was ready for grade two was not because he had some learning disability, but simply because the public school sent him home year after year. The teachers couldn't put up with him. But he thrived in our school. We had tight structure and consistent discipline, and he did really well. And then one day I saw him out in the playground. The bell had just run and he was still loitering outside. That was his first offense. I went over to him and I asked him why he wasn't in class. He seemed to be looking for something. And he got tears in his eyes. He said, I lost my ring. We were playing and it was tight on my fingers, so I took it off and I, I laid it on the bench. It was a gold ring, one he had gotten from a rich uncle. My heart sank because either the ring had fallen off the bench and had been pushed into the mud of the playground by many running feet, or else another student had already found it and had taken it. And that would be a big problem. Both Selving and I knew what would happen if he went home without that ring that day. His mother would probably hold the school responsible for it too. The students weren't allowed to wear rings or necklaces or any other jewelry to school. And I thought about mentioning that, but I looked into his eyes and I knew that he already knew that. 
Then I remembered that it was just that morning that we had talked in devotions about God caring for us, even in the small things. And I heard myself asking him if he thought God could see the ring. He said he did. He was sure God knew right where the ring was. So we knelt down right there in the muddy playground and we told God about our problem and asked him to show us where it was. My knees were shaking when I stood up because I felt the stakes were so high. Here, a 12-year-old boy was going to learn about God. Not a minute later, I was wiping the mud off the ring and handing it back to the boy. He gave me a big hug and his eyes shone. He had just seen with his own eyes that God cares about us, even the small things. Faith is not an emotion. It is a decision to stand on God's word. I would read you again the quote that we read yesterday. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, he asks, who dares make light of small things? Maybe some of you teachers are going into the classroom for the very first time this year. Maybe you feel like you know so little, you have so little experience. Maybe there's an experienced teacher listening to us today that feels like your influence is very small. You greet a new group of students every year and you say goodbye to them at the end of the year. Looking over the past years, the term seems so, so short and the influence so small. Whatever your situation, I would just remind you that the little things become big things when God is there, when he is part of it. One day over 20 years ago, one of our Guatemalan teachers was very discouraged. She was young, maybe 16 or 17 years old. She had just finished grade seven herself. She had only three students in grades one and two, and it was her first year. She was feeling like she had such a small role to fill. She didn't have seven students in four grades like the other teacher that taught at our small jungle school. I told her something that I still believe to be true. God always gives enough. He never calls us to a task that he does not supply the strength and grace for. He never gives us more than we can bear, nor does he waste our time or talent. I encouraged her to do her best and work hard and prepare for each day in spite of the fact that in all of her preparations, she was only preparing for, at the very most, three students. One of her students was sick a lot, and the other missed a lot of school. 
So there were many days that she only had one student. Maybe God is allowing you this year as training to prepare you for a greater work next year. I encourage her to be faithful in the little things and take her daily preparation seriously. She took courage and she saw her work as important and her attitude changed. Her preparations became more uh, her, her greater work. The following year she came to me and she was just elated and related to me how what I had said had come true. All her preparations and study from the previous year had enabled her to not only keep up with the demands of her eight students in grade one and two, but enjoy teaching them. I find discontent often arises not from being asked to do more than we are able, rather from being asked to do less than we think is our ability. People ask me these days, what are you planning for school in the fall? Do you think you will be able to have a normal school year? I feel like replying, who knows? You know, with COVID and everything. I also ask myself the question, what is a normal school year? I certainly didn't have one last year. The ironic thing is that a year ago, we all went into the 2019-2020 school year expecting and planning for a normal year. It reminds me of an old Jewish proverb, God plans, sorry, man plans, and God laughs. In my school year, there were three things that came up very unexpectedly and made a very difficult year. I was a little nervous going into the school year to begin with because it was my second time ever teaching school in English. I had taught school for different years in Spanish in Guatemala, but this was new. My wife and I had just spent the previous 16 years in Guatemala and moved back to Canada four months before. I'd worked in education, but it was a totally different culture totally different language. I didn't know any of the 19 students well or their families. So I found an old class picture from the year before and got a class list and tried to match names with faces and get a head start on their names. I made plans. I had lots of ideas, high ideals. I just had no idea which ones or if any would actually work. We started the school year last year on a Tuesday, the day after Labor Day. At the end of four days, I was exhausted. I was so tired. I couldn't believe teaching was this hard. Nobody told me until the students that day informed me that the moms at this school uh, come in and clean our classroom during the last period of the day. That's why we have phys ed on Friday afternoon. So 
we went outside for phys ed class, came back in. I did a hurried dismissal and sent the children home. I grabbed a few books and left since there were still moms cleaning my classroom. I went home planning to get back on Saturday, but I wasn't feeling real well on Saturday and I figured I could get a, an early start on Monday morning. Sunday was a busy day and I woke up in the wee hours of Monday morning with pain. So much pain, in fact, that I couldn't get back to sleep. Finally, I woke my wife and I, I said, I just don't feel well, I have a lot of pain. She said, like, enough pain to go to the emergency? I said, yeah, uh, that much. Well, that's when she got really serious about things and she took me into the emergency room and a couple hours later, the doctor let me know, let us know that I needed to have my appendix removed. I remember shaking my head, hardly believing that I needed to call my new principal and tell him that after four days of school, he was going to have to find a substitute. I told my wife, you know, with laser surgery these days, I'll be back in the classroom in three or four days. I'll be able to do this. I didn't know that after my appendix was out, I was going to develop pneumonia and spend the next week in the hospital. The week after that, I spent on the couch at home. It was great, except for the fact that I knew the substitutes were trying to pull things together. Uh, in this new class, I had started four days into it, and then the substitutes had gone in and actually had to pick up some books off the floor. That made for a rough start. Going into the school year, we did the normal things. I was teaching history, and we came to the Native American studies in our history. And so I planned a Native American Awareness Day. I was still recovering from my surgery and my pneumonia, but we went for it anyway. And I was kind of going against better knowledge. It seemed like I was the new teacher and here I was coming in with, with you know, lots of different activities and extracurriculars for my students. But we went for it and did it anyway. That day we built three fires and we, we made bannock and succotash and grilled some meat over a fire. And, and it was a really good success. Only one girl's skirt caught fire and uh, we had a good time. But looking back, I realize that had I not done those activities, even though it didn't, it didn't feel quite right, it, I had to kind of go against my better knowledge. If I had not done those things then, we wouldn't have gotten them done because it, what we weren't, the snow wasn't quite melted, it seemed, when COVID hit. And that took away all of our uh, possibilities for, for doing activities. I'm sure a lot of you never got to do your field trip either. I was sitting on my stool in my grade nine and 10 literature class when my phone rang one day in February. It was my uncle David and he called and he said he was in the area. He was up with a, a chorus. He's not from Canada. And he said, I want to come and see you. I want to see you at school and, and see your school. 
Well, I love my Uncle David, but I couldn't quite believe he was calling that day. I almost told him, not today. I'm sorry, it's just not going to work out. Because it was a, a busy day. Again, it was a Friday. But as many times in my life I've done before, I just felt the urge to say yes. So I closed my eyes and I said yes. And Uncle David came and, and talked to the students. I gave him directions to our school and I realized he'd be driving for about 20 or 25 minutes. So I told him, on your way here, think of some great stories because I'm going to have you talk to the students. And he came and he talked to the students. One of the things he had them write down was the, the quote you have there on the screen, a God small enough to understand is a God too small to trust. The students wrote that down. And then he told them the story about his wife, how she had died of cancer. He described the, the grieving process to them. He told us that you're so sad, you wonder if you will ever laugh again. He told us that when something like that happens, your emotions are right on the edge. One minute you may be crying and the next minute you may be laughing and that it's okay. That's just how it is. He talked to the students for an hour, and it was a wonderful time. None of us knew that two weeks later, those students would lose the teacher they had had the year before. It was March 4th, and I always write the date up on the board of our classroom, and, and I wrote March 4, and during the opening exercises, I asked the, the students the question, I said, uh, what date of the year is like a military command? And nobody knew, and I said, well, March 4th. The students would always, will always look back and remember that because that was the day their former teacher marched forth and he was ushered into glory as a result of a, a construction accident, he was killed almost instantly. I thought back over the time that Uncle David talked to us, and that was such a gift. None of us knew, but he was preparing those students for the difficult time they were going to have to go through. We weren't finished working through that when we went for March break. And we never came back from March break. Our schools were closed here in Ontario and we finished out the year with the students at home. It feels in a large way that we were cheated out of the last half of our year. A lot of the things that I planned for the end of the year to, to pull it all together just never happened. I think COVID has really brought some important truths into sharp focus for all of us, hasn't it? We really don't know what's going to happen in the near future. We've realized that we can't control the future. I've realized how, how quickly things can change. And it seems 
that some things change forever. We don't know what will happen in 10 years or in three years or even three months. And yet our job is to prepare the students for that. We're preparing lives for the future. We're teaching them how to live. We don't see this future and we won't see the future, but our students will. And our job is to prepare them for it. In the time of Zechariah, the chief builder's name was Zerubbabel. Listen to the encouragement the Lord through Zechariah offers him in chapter 4, verse 7. He says, what are you, great mountain? Because of Zerubbabel, you will become a level plain, and he will bring forth the temple capstone with shoutings of grace, grace. Whatever that mountain is in your life, I pray that it would become a level plain. Whatever that mountain is, I pray that it can be removed and you can build a beautiful temple on it, the temple of other people's lives. That mountain can be removed if we realize that it is not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. It reminds me of a story I heard about the great Polish pianist, Paderewski. The story is told of a mother who saved enough money to buy two tickets for the concert. She had a young son who was doing piano lessons and he was hardly motivated to keep practicing his piano. His father had been a pianist and his mother wanted her son to carry on his legacy now that he was dead. So she bought two tickets to the concert. She got tickets in one of the front rows down on the main floor of the great concert hall. And she got there and her son sat there wiggling on his chair. So she told him he could stand up. And she stood up and recognized some people just down the row a little bit and went over and, and started talking to, to them. And the little guy walked down the aisle and started to explore this wonderful, huge concert hall. And he went up to the stage and the stage floor was about as high as his nose. And he looked on the stage and there was a magnificent Stenway piano in the middle of the stage. And he knew he shouldn't get on the stage, but the thing just drew him. And he climbed up on the stage and he went over and, and he got close to the piano. And he knew he shouldn't touch the keys, but he just couldn't help himself. And he touched a key. He sat down on the bench and, and he started to play the only thing he really knew well the famed chopsticks. People heard the noise and they turned and, and they started asking, Who, who's that boy? Get, get him off, get him away. And the great pianist was in the wings and he saw what was happening. And so he came out to the piano and he whispered in the boy's ear. He said, don't quit, just keep playing. And leaning over, he reached down with his left hand and he 
he began to fill in the base part. Soon he reached around the other side and he added a running obligato. And together the old master and the young boy played for the next five minutes. The boy played the notes he knew over and over again. And the master improvised, his fingers flying across the keys on either side of the little boy. And then he whispered, you can stop now. And he ended with a powerful crescendo. As the crowd rose in a standing ovation, the master and the boy bowed together. They had done it together. The master had redeemed a terrible situation. I don't know if that story is true, but it's a beautiful picture of God and us. It's a beautiful picture of God and me. I stumble up to a job that's, that's bigger than me, and I just play over and over again the things I know. And the master makes it into a beautiful piece of art. To me, it's a picture, too, of what God is calling each one of us to do this next year in the lives of our students. Just let them play what they know and add in those pieces that are missing. So as we come to the close of this brief talk, I would just like to pray for each one of you in this coming year, because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's through his spirit that he wants to accomplish great things in our lives. Let's pray. Dear God, we, we bow before you again this morning, and we just acknowledge that we need you. We need you so keenly in our lives. We need you to make that difference. We need you to take our stumbling, faltering hands and make something beautiful. Lord, work through us. May we be pliable in your hands. May we be useful tools in your hands. And Lord, we ask that you would allow us to be useful in building your kingdom, in shaping the lives of people little people who someday will be big people and live in a future that we simply can't see. You've called us to a great task at a very important time in history, and we simply trust in you to make up the difference for our faults. We recognize that in our weakness, you can show yourself strong, and we ask you to do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you all. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, I'm inspired and encouraged again to consider uh, God's ability to do amazing things in spite of, uh, in spite of my limitations, in spite of our limitations. Uh, Stephen, it is I'm, I'm inspired by these stories and uh, the testimony that you brought of how God works um, and how he works in ways that we don't expect or see. And so thank you for sharing some of your personal stories um, 
that, that help us maybe to open our own, help to open our eyes to what God might be doing in our lives and our experiences? I would just comment that, you know, the stories I tell are, they're just part of our everyday lives. And, and I believe everyone has stories like that that they could share. I know that God is working in our lives, and, and I think it's important for us to just look for those things and see where he is and where he's showing himself present in, in our day-to-day -day, uh, course of, of life. That's right. It's, we, we need eyes to see God at work. Thanks again for everyone, to everyone who's joined us. Um, on behalf of the doc, I, I thank you for joining this webinar. And uh, we, we pray that God will bless you in this school year. Um, we pray that God will give you wisdom for the planning and preparation and grace to, to work within whatever uh, situations this year brings. Uh, Maybe more than more than ever, I'm aware of the the admonition that James wrote in his epistle, where he said, "You should we should always say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this, we'll do that." And and the last six months have made that abundantly clear for all of us. And so, may God give you grace uh, for for that in the, the days and weeks ahead. And thanks again, Stephen, for your for sharing with us, for speaking out of your life experience and offering this to us. For more free resources that support teaching and learning, visit the docforlearning.org.